Hey everyone, and welcome back to Wish Upon a Star for episode 16, our third song in the movie Dumbo. And this song is called The Song of the Roastabouts. Roastabouts? I, I, I don't know, but I do know how to pronounce this next word, which is Frodo, because that is me. I am Frodo the lawyer. And I'm Amanda the person. Yes. Hey. We can pronounce our own names. Uh, yep. I just assume roustabouts. Um, I mean, huh. we, we did you listen to the song? I, I don't... Yeah, but did they say it, really? I, I sort of oh. was listening with like a face that was just like, uh, so I didn't really pick up the name. Yeah, they definitely say their name plenty of times. They say that we're uh, a happy, hearty roustabouts, which is, uh, you know, that's part of the issue, but... Uh, for those of you who don't know what a rustabout is, it is a uh, sort of low-skilled, in quotes, worker. A worker that is doing manual labor, often in circuses in the olden times. They are also found on oil fields as well. So, yep. um, Deck yeah. hands. That sort of thing. Yes. Um, yep. So that's what a rustabout is, and they have their own song here. So let's see how, sure how how it goes and see how uh, potentially racist it is. Yep. I mean, I feel like we should just, like, say off the bat that yeah. what, Go ahead. what say, this say whole it. thing is. This song is racist, and it is terrible. It's racist. <laughs> it's bad. It's, like, it's real yeah. racist, y'all. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a lot of people think the song is racist, and they would be right. A lot of people also think the song is not a very good song. Um, so that's that's where we have here. Uh, yep. To lead into it, we just had Casey Jr. He came down the track. He was not racist. He was a cool little train who could think thought he could do things, and then he 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 did do them. And he's arrived at the new town where the circus is going to be and the next step is for the circus to be built in this new location and that's where these workers these laborers come in Mm -hmm. they're going to put the circus tent together with help from the elephants and uh yeah they are all uh it's important to note all of these laborers are black people they have dark skin as they are animated and, and they, they are have, faceless. Yes. So, right, right off the bat there, not a good first impression uh, that Disney is giving us of these people by giving them no real humanity without their face. They're just sort of dark body laborers. Yep. I feel like it also bears saying that, like, I, we've mentioned this before, but, like, Frodo and I are two white folks. We're doing our best, um, and we're going to try to talk about the song in the most sensitive way possible. We, we discussed whether or not we would do it, and it seemed like copping out to just, like, skip every song that was racist, because this is not the only time that Disney is racially problematic or problematic in other ways. Um, but keep in mind that we're doing the best we can, and if you have feedback on this, like, please reach out to us. Yeah, we're going to cover all the songs. Yeah, all, the, all the Disney that- canon of feature film songs. Um, but we're going to we'll recognize when a song is has some issues to it. Um, but we're not going to skip a song just because it has issues because that would be almost uh, you know painting Disney in a light that we that isn't true. So we want right. to give you the real picture of the Disney canon, how amazing and uh, sometimes not. Sometimes not it is. <laughs> I mean, the thing is about the song is that it's a big thumping bass song, and it's yeah. what you would, it's what like people imagine like a hearty worker song to be, and it right. sings about how these people are loving their job and they can't read and they can't write, but they're happy to work in the pouring mm-hmm. rain right. um, as they perform manual labor. And yeah, it's, like, a, it's a very rhythmic song. The, so yeah. the voices kind of perform a lot of the percu- things you would think of as percussion with sound. Like they sort of shout things like, hup, hup, hup. Yeah. Imagine the song from Frozen at the beginning of that one where they're like, Beware the frozen heart. But like incredibly racial pro- pro- racially problematic. Yeah, yeah. This is perhaps, well, it's not the first work song that Disney has we have whistle while you work but yes it is it is an early example of the disney worker Mm -hmm. song um so we've been saying a lot of why that it's racist the first reason being that we have these black people who are have no faces the second being that like you said the lyrics 
make it seem as though these workers are having a grand old time. They're really enjoying their lives. Yep. They they love the fact that they're overworked and that they aren't paid. And on top of that, when they are paid, uh, they lose all their money right away because we're going to paint these people as a bunch of uh, you know no nothings that just blow their money on uh, you know whatever uh, hedonistic things they like. Yep. So. Um, not not really painting these people with a lot of uh, sophistication. So no. that, that's one problem. Yes. And then as you go further through the lyrics, uh, you have references to one of the lines says, you hairy ape, which <sighs> obviously has racial connotations. Now, I don't know 100% if Disney meant it in that way or if they just meant it in... Um, sort of like an oaf, you know, like a big old oaf type I of mean, way. I mean, I don't think but, necessarily but, meant it in a, like, you are a person of color, therefore you are a hairy ape, but I do think that they probably meant it as a, like, we view people in this way. I think there's some pretty yeah. bad racial thoughts coming from Disney on here. I don't think we can excuse that one mm. as, like, right. we're paying, yeah. yeah. It, whether or not it uh, was meant to be racist, it was definitely meant to be derogatory, yes. and in the current understanding of things it comes across as racist as well yes i was interested a bit from this on just sort of how historically accurate this is i mean not the mm. bit where these folks were enjoying themselves um because you don't really need to look up you know sort of scholarly texts to realize that probably they weren't enjoying you know putting up circus tents in the pouring rain in florida um they're in florida in the first place so like strike one um but strike two is mm. the deep manual labor um, and would you believe that the circus has a deep and dark history of exploiting African-American folks? Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, did, you, did you actually look into yeah, this? Yeah, I or? did. Yeah. What, what, what did you learn in your studies of exploitation? Yeah. Um, okay, so the article that I pulled, I, I like read a bunch of different ones, but the one I'm going to be looking at the most now is from The Root, um, dot com, and the article is called Good Riddance to the Worst Show on Earth um, by mm -hmm. Kondwani Fidel. And basically, this article talks a lot about how Barnum and Bailey, the Ringling Brothers, um, how they exploited people of color, um, African-American folks in particular, in their whole sort of circus system. Um, because, like, so for those of you who've seen The Greatest Showman, which a lot of you have. Yeah, P.T. Barnum is, uh, he's such a wonderful man. He's Hugh Jackman. He's so suave. No, Frodo, no! He's a racist! <laughs> And very mean. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Hugh Jackman makes it confusing for all of us, unfortunately. I think the circus would be a lot better if Hugh Jackman had run it in the first place. Mm -hmm. I think we can all agree yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. There'd be kangaroos, for one thing. Like, all sorts of fun Australian animals. Yes, there'd be Australian things, mm -hmm. maybe some X-Men, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe tie-ins yes. to the, the circus, which would be a lot of fun. Yes, like, you could have Wolverine there, but instead of it being, you know somebody who was being terribly exploited due to birth defects, it would just be Hugh Jackman in a fun mm. costume, and he can go home to his family and his well-paying job afterwards. So, Greatest Showman really painted a gloss over what this all is. Also, didn't paint enough of a gloss, because still showed him as a jerk, and some of people forgave him because of the white savior movement in film, and I don't like that movie very much, despite the very good singing and Zac Efron's face. But, anyway... Mm -hmm. Um, so Hugh Jack- or, sorry, not Hugh Jackman, P.T. Barnum. Hugh Jackman, as far as I know, is a fine man. And has not been extraordinarily racially problematic. Um, although, I don't know him, so maybe. But I hope not. He seems nice. <laughs> um, but P.T. Barnum, like, has- was exploiting African-American folks in particular from the very beginning. Like, a lot mm. of his freak show were African-American. Um, you don't see that in the movie. Um, but it's the truth. Um, so do you think that when Zac Efron was researching for his <laughs> role in the in the movie, uh, he went back and he witnessed the song of the Rustabouts by being the rain in the scene? So he used his water body <laughs> to, uh, to, to see what the true circus life and exploitation was like. And that's how he, he knew how to be a person. I mean, the... <laughs> on the one hand, is he the best part of the greatest showman? Yes. Obviously. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I don't want that for him. That's so sad that he'd have to be involved in this song in any way, shape, or form. I'm sad enough that we have to be involved in this song <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Well, someone else who's involved in this song in a way, a shape, and a form is Little Dumbo. Um, oh, Little Dumbo is very nice. Yeah, we don't see Dumbo in the first two songs. He appeared in the middle of the 
Casey Jr. in the part where Mr. Stork comes and delivers him. That's where we first see Dumbo and where he's named Dumbo. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, Dumbo. Mr. Dumbo is truly named Jumbo Jr. Uh, Jumbo would be his father, the elephant Jumbo. And did you know, Amanda, that Jumbo is a real elephant? I didn't. Yes. That's nice. And this did P.T. Barnum try to kill him in some way? Sort of. So we're going to tie, oh, no. tie this all <laughs> together. Um, oh, no. In fact, Jum- Jumbo was an actual elephant, I believe. Let me pull this up. I think he's from Sudan. Yes. Jumbo was an African bush elephant born in Sudan. He then went to a zoo in Paris. Uh, he was known for being a very large elephant. But sure. you may think, well, that's why he was called Jumbo. And you'd be wrong, because the uh, the name, the word Jumbo that we consider today, meaning large, comes from Jumbo the Elephant. In fact, Jumbo the Elephant was named as such because, uh, well, there's there's certain theories about it, but uh, the word Jambo means hello, and Jumbe means chief. Uh, I do think it's pronounced Jambo. Jambo? Okay. Yeah. Those are Swahili words, so they, it was thought yeah. that... One of those two inspired it. But yes, Jumbo mm-hmm. was not a word before Jumbo the Elephant. Jumbo the Elephant lived, just for some context, uh, from 1860 until 1885. And like I said, he was in the Paris Zoo. He then went to the London Zoo. And finally, he was purchased by P.T. Barnum, who put him in his traveling show, his circus. And Oh, no. Yeah, so the Barnum and Bailey Circus had Jumbo the Elephant starting in 1882 until his death when he was hit by a train. Oh, no! <laughs> so that that also ties back to our last episode. Casey Jones oh, no. died in a train. Uh, Jumbo got hit by a train. Uh, oh, there's actually a no. photograph on oh, no. the uh, his Wikipedia page. That's, okay, well, don't, don't send that to me. I don't want to see it's that. It's subtitled Jumbo after being hit by a locomotive, and it's like a bunch of like white men standing with their hats like around like a dead elephant. So, oh god, why do why do white men do that? And you know it was one of those old white women too. We all suck. You know it was one of those god. old 1800s photos so they were all they had to like stand still for like, you know, 20 seconds or however oh long. God. I don't know. It could have been longer than why that. Why do we glorify the circus like this? This is garbage, yeah. Frodo. Well, Frodo, you're a lawyer. Can't you fix it? Well, I think that they sort of the market is fixing itself um to put on my economics cap, but <laughs> Um, yeah, so elephants have been around in the Barnum and Bailey Circus for a long time. They were then in, obviously, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus when that was combined until 2015 when they were announced that they were going to phase out all of their their elephant shows. After a lot of criticism, I mean, to get elephants to do things that they do in Dumbo, like stand on things and each other and all put that. Put up tents. Yeah, put up tents. Obviously, there was some, uh, some inhumane treatment, let alone the cages, so uh, eventually they bowed down to pressure, but then they went out of business two years later anyway, so. Thank goodness, yeah. because did you know that, um, well, here's, an, here's a fun P.T. Barnum anecdote, but pro tip, it's not fun, it's terrible. <laughs> um, this is just, I, I feel like we need an example of P.T. Barnum being mm-hmm. the worst. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so here we go. Um, in 1835, Barnum debuted Joyce Heth, an African-American slave woman, um, at his first show, titled The Greatest Natural and National Curiosity in the World. Um, I'm quoting from the Root article I mentioned earlier, by the way. And he claimed that Heth was a 161-year-old blind woman who had nursed George Washington. She was blind and sickly, and so that's not great, mm-hmm. but she macked up, maxed, uh, you know, racked up a lot of coin for Barnum. Um, she died the next year, you know, an older woman. It happens. I'm sure it had nothing to do with the terrible conditions that, you know, whatever Barnum paid her if he did... Um, he didn't. She was a slave woman. It says that. Whatever that sort of situation was going on. But the next year, Barnum paid a surgeon to public- publicly dissect Heth in front of 1,500 spectators without her consent. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah. So, in a way, yeah. is this portrayal of the circus historically accurate in terms of who is working at it and being treated poorly? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah. However, the way that they are that happy, not so much. And also, I would like to put out the sort of call for... 
um, you know, if we're already having a world where elephants can talk, perhaps we don't need a, we can also have a word, world where, you know, it's not just the faceless black folks who are putting up the circus tents mm. next to elephants. Yeah. Now, this isn't the first example of faceless black folks we've had in Disney. If you remember, the workers for the Coachman and Pinocchio were also faceless black folks, but those were, um, those people were, like, entirely black, like, their enti- their bodies, they almost look like demons, but still... Yeah, um, they were definitely, like, demons as opposed to African-American people. Yeah, but still, this, this, uh, it's not our first sign of, you know, just dark people having no face and everything. Um, yeah, whether or not those people were meant to be demons or not, like, the implication is certainly still there. So then, going back to the Jumbo... <laughs> being a big old elephant that was very popular in the circus. So that name obviously inspired the name Jumbo and Mrs. Jumbo and Jumbo Jr. and Dumbo. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's partially what inspired Dumbo. But I don't know if we've talked yet about what inspired the the story, the the movie of Dumbo. I mean, we talked a little bit about how, like, it was because they were super broke from Fantasia, but mm-hmm. not how the story itself came about. Yeah. Um, have you looked into this at all? I haven't, and I hope it's a happy story, because, boy, yeah. golly, and I hope, I hope it is it, Frodo, just tell me now, is it racist? No, it's a pretty simple story, actually. Um, okay. There was a children's book written by Helen Aberson and illustrated by Harold Pearl, and it was prepared not as a normal book, but it was a prototype of a toy that would be a storytelling device called a roll-a-book. <laughs> And it's kind of similar mm. to a panorama. I don't entirely okay. understand what that means, how a roll-a-book panorama would even work. But it was just eight drawings and very few lines of text. And it was told the story of Dumbo. It had the only difference that I see on Wikipedia is that there was a robin instead of a mouse was his best friend. But otherwise... How that, dare they change yes, that? That's where the story came from. And Disney was shown this toy uh, kind of in the context of like, hey, look at this new toy thing. We should do stuff like this. And he was like, he just fell in love with the story and wanted to make it into a movie. So that's that's how that came about. Pretty, pretty uh, lighthearted story. Compared yeah, to what you're we're right. That, about. Yeah. that wasn't, as far as I could tell, that wasn't racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's nice. Yeah, a couple, uh, one other interesting fact that I have about the development of Dumbo is that the mm. screen story, so like the screenplay, yeah. was written by Dick Humor and Joe Grant. They helped uh, to take the story and develop it into the movie. And they had both also been story directors on Fantasia, but particularly oh. Joe Grant is someone that we should know. Joe okay. Grant created the uh, the Queen for Snow White. I'm not sure if... I don't have written down here if he was if he created the animation or just the story uh, or the character of the Queen. I think it's... it's sure. Kind of I imagine it'd be the animation since the, the, she's kind of existed already in the, like, mm-hmm. fairy tale. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, these guys are more story side, so maybe that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he also worked on Pinocchio and Dumbo, but then he left the studio in 1949 to open a ceramics and greeting card business. But What? Yes, this is true. But he came back in 1989 when he was 81 years old, and he continued to work at Disney until 2005 when he was 96 what? years old. What? So he worked on uh, the last film that he worked on to be released was Up. So wow. the man is it about him? Uh, no. It, the uh, The old man in Up was actually inspired by I think Spencer Tracy. Maybe was the, the actor. Um, I should probably wow. yeah, but. Yes. So Joe Grant worked on the story of Dumbo and then also worked on the story of Up. So. Wow. You wouldn't expect that to be two things that one person could do. No. He was he was very old. Um and then he Up came out after he passed away since he passed away in 2005, but mm-hmm. it was already in you know production at that point. So, yeah. Had to get that out there cool. cuz it's a pretty cool story. And, and Yeah, no, that's super cool. A cooler story than what we had been talking about. <laughs> Yes, a hundred percent. So yeah, that's that's sort of what inspired the character of Dumbo, and and yeah, now we see him. He helps put together the circus tent, and I must admit, he is very cute. Oh gosh, Dumbo's so cute in this. Yeah, it, it, like it doesn't make up for all the bad bits, mm-hmm. but it's nice to kind of just like if we have to watch it, at least there's a dang adorable elephant in there. Yeah, he has he has his little hammer out, and he's like 
banging on the one of the and little pikes. He hits himself in the head with the with the hammer by accident. Yeah, he's doing his best. Yeah, and, but his best just is very bad. And you guys know I am not the biggest fan of cute things like you hate them. Yeah, when we talked about the stupid stork song, I was like, "This is dumb. I don't care about animal babies." But but Dumbo is just—he's so adorable. He's trying. He's so cute. He's trying to help. He's lifting things. He was carrying a little lantern at one point. He's like, mm-hmm. "I love Dumbo," but he—he uh, he doesn't talk. So he, does, <laughs> but he doesn't say he that. Did. That's what he sounded like. Yeah, he'd be like, "Golly, Timothy Mouse." <laughs> Wait, never mind. The more you do that, the less I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I can I can change it for you. He can be more of like a rebellious teen, like, Ooh, like, like yeah. Come on, Timothy Mouse. I don't want to be a clown anymore. Mm, no, give him more of an elephant like accent. Well, you're the one that does the elephant sound. Do it. Lay it on us. Okay. <laughs> I'm an elephant. <laughs> all right. What was well, that? That's all I have to say about this song. Um. Oh. Um, I did have one interesting thing to bring up. Yeah, um, go ahead. I was kind of, I was looking, I was wondering, like, obviously, there was, it's pretty clear from watching this that there was, no, that there were no people of color in the studio at the time involved in this. And I was wondering when the first African-American animator came on board. Um, and I was hoping it wasn't like, you know, 2003. And it's not. Thank goodness. Um, do you know the first African-American animator to be hired to Disney? Jackie Robinson. No, that's not, that's not nope. a good joke. I do not know. Dif- different person. Um, it was Floyd Norman. Who is Floyd Norman? Now, Floyd Norman, now, to be fair, Floyd Norman is listed as, he's the first African-American artist to remain at the studio on a long-term basis. Um, but he's the only information I could find on, like, first person to join. But he did say in some interviews that, like, when he joined the studio, he was not the, you know, only diverse person in his group of p- kids coming on. Um, but he was hired to the studio, um, in 1956 to be employed as an in-betweener on Sleeping Beauty. Now, do you know what an in-betweener is? No, I do not. It's super cool. So, in-betweening, or tweening, um, as the kids call it, but also as, you know, this, people this call it. sounds like a euphemism for, like, doing drugs, <laughs> like tweaking. It doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm hardcore tweening on this Dumbo <laughs> nonsense, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, but it's not. It's an animation process. It's the process of generating the frames that go between two images, oh, okay. um, which are the keyframes that the two keyframes look like they're evolving smoothly into the images. Cool. Um, and so they create the illusion of motion. And yeah, it's super cool. And so they hire folks um, like Floyd Norman and the people he came on with to be in-betweeners. Um, I don't think they called them tweeners, unfortunately, which is frankly disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, Sleeping Beauty is the first, as far as I can tell, movie to have an African-American animation artist working on it. All right. Um, and then he stayed on. Um, he worked on 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone. Um, and then he worked on the story for the Jungle Book. Um, and then he, after Walt Disney died, he left the company, um, and co-founded Vignette Films, um, and worked on a lot of really cool things for African-American kids. Like, he produced parts of Fat Albert, um, worked on Sesame Street, um, the Cosby Kids. We didn't know at the time, yeah, so yeah. you can't blame him for that. Yeah. Um, and then he actually came back to work on Robin Hood um, and actually still works for the company Freelance. Oh, wow. Um, even though he's in his 80s now. So he was, he was born in 1935, so oh, he's wow. like, yeah, he's he's kicking it. Um, but he, I think the most recent thing he worked on was was Toy Story 2 is the, is the last credited thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still works on, like, comics and stuff and uses the Disney Studios for that. That's cool. So, so yeah. So a couple guys who have been around Disney for a long time that you have now learned about today by listening to our podcast. Joe Grant. Yes. And Mr. Norman is his name? Floyd Norman. Floyd Norman. Yes. There's a documentary made about him in 2016 called Floyd Norman, An, An Animated Life, um, which I haven't watched, but cool. someone should. Tell me if I should. I will. Sounds interesting if I can find it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, one last thing I do have to add before we get into our ratings and reviews um, yeah. is the people that sing this song. So they don't show any characters singing this song. It's implied that it's the Rustabouts who are the ones singing. Uh, but it was performed according to Wikipedia. There's very limited information about who sings these songs because they weren't credited. So um, as far as I can tell, according to IMDb and Wikipedia, it was the Kingsmen who are different than this the what was the last one this is this kingsman like secret service and they're the ones yes with, like, colin firth yes um no it's not them. Oh, that's um, disappointing yeah so the 
the last two, the first two songs of Dumbo, the Storks, Look Out for Mr. Stork, and Casey Jr. are both sung by the Sportsmen. This is the Kingsmen, which is a different quartet, but perhaps a more interesting one. Now, okay. the Kingsmen... Secret Service. Secret, this, they were in the Secret Service, no. Oh, the what ki- a great movie. The Kingsmen have been a quartet in a lot of different movies, uh... You, I leave it to you to look up on IMDb all of them, but most interestingly, according to IMDb, they were the off-screen voices for the, the Lollipop Guild in in oh. uh, in The Wizard of Oz. Huh. So I don't know if I quite hear it. You know, the Lollipop Guild it's kind of not... had the eh, kind of voices, <laughs> which is not what we hear here. Uh, no, nor is it what you expect. No, but that's what IMDb says uh, in their bio, so it might be true. The most yeah. Interesting line of their bio, though, is the last line where it says, and this is a quote, I will not be stuttering, <laughs> the, the Kingsmen and their families remained lifelong friends. <laughs> so that is a direct quote from IMDb, and uh, take it for what you will. I mean, I'm glad that they, they stayed friends. That's very important. Do you know if they were African American? I don't. My guess is no. Yeah, probably not. But... I, I just, I had a hopeful moment, but yeah. then it died. Yeah, based on based on there's I don't see think there are photos of them on IMDb, but -hmm. just generally based on what they were in, I'm guessing no. Yeah, and also sort of based on the time and history. Yeah, yeah. But it it, looks great. The song. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if you're gonna want to give it a a particular grade. Oh wait, no, there is a photo of them. Time out. Yes, they are white. There is a photo. They are white. They are they are men. Oh, you can click on them individually. I didn't do this before. Oh. Okay, so, like, individually they were also in things, too. Okay. Uh, Maybe I'll just quickly say their names. Yeah. Yeah. So, the King's Men, the four of them, they are Ken Darby, John Dodson, Bud Lynn, and Rad Robinson. Yeah, I mean, you could have just looked that up and we'd know that they were white, so. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They were all, yeah, they were all in a variety of different quartets and, and things and Lots of fun. Lots of fun was had by Lots all. Lots of fun, lifelong friends. Um, yeah, so let's get to the grading. Um, I am going to provide grades for this song, even though it is racist. I, my feeling is that if I didn't review and rank all of the Disney songs, even the ones that are racist, I would have to basically skip all of Aladdin. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to give everything a grade. But it, it will, in part, be taking into account the problems, but also potentially good things. Unfortunately for this song, there's not much good to it. I don't really think the tune is very interesting. It's uh, not very melodic. It's very forgettable. The only part that I like is Dumbo, so I'm not going to give it a full-fledged F. I'm going to give it an F+, plus because Dumbo is uh, is that cute. that he, he raises it all the way from an F to an F+. Plus. So the plus is for problematic, and that's my there grade. There it is. Um, do you have a particular grade, or are you just going to give your, your thoughts on, on the song? So, I'm going to give my thoughts on why I can't give it a grade. Okay. Um, and my thoughts are as, th- are as followed. So, a lot of folks know the saying that all your faves are problematic. And that's true. Um, basically, for those of you not on the internet as much, just means that everything you like has got something wrong with it. Like, maybe it's from an older time period where they didn't realize things they were saying were racist. Maybe you like friends and don't realize all the, like you know, homophobic, transphobic stuff going on in there, or you do, but, like, it's friends, and you love it, and, you know, it's okay to like things that are problematic sometimes, because nothing is perfect, and as long as you acknowledge, you know, the problems, sometimes that's okay. I don't think it's okay here. I think that somewhere way before we hit what ends up being the Song of the Roostabouts, whatever the hell it is, I think we cross the line where it's okay for things to be problematic, and I think we hit into just not worth preserving territory. So for me, like, is Dumbo worth forgetting about because of this? No. Is this song worth, you know, forgetting about? No, because mm-hmm. it's important to, like, learn about what people did. Is it worth celebrating? I don't think so. Okay. And it kind of makes me feel this about Dumbo the same way I feel about Ender's Game. Um, it's fine if you want to watch it or read it. Don't buy it new. Don't, you know, give support mm. to that sort of thing. Well, that's because you don't like Orson Scott Card, right? 
Well, he was, like, sexist and racist, yeah, yeah. so that's why I don't like well, no, him. Right, but, I yeah. understand. It, it's not because Ender's Game it contains oh, yeah. those things. Ender's Game, as far as I know, is, like, fine. It's, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of male-centric, but whatever it's sci-fi, a lot of mm-hmm. that is, you kind of have to pick your battles there. But it's because Orson Scott card sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's, it's the Ender's Game rule for me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that that's, that's very valid. Um, and, yes. We're going to try to handle these things with a degree of nuance and a degree of uh, uh, historical uh, telling. Because I think that a, a big reason why a lot of people are listening to this podcast, and a lot of people are listening... Oh, so many folks! Like, honestly, we can't handle yeah. the fan mail at this point. Guys, calm down. Um, it, it's because we want... People want to know about some of the historical background that we're, we've been providing about Disney... And as we go through this journey that we're on, we get a greater picture of just the times and the things that Disney was putting out. So um, I, I think it's it's good to to know even the dark underbelly of Disney. Now, I mean, to yeah. to not talk about it would be to say to give the impression that Disney is perfect, mm-hmm. and we all know that's not true. Yeah. So, all right, well, that's that's a good. Good episode we've had, everyone. You, everyone enjoyed this episode, right, guys? Give, yeah. give it a give it a round of applause at home. Yeah, take oh, take your yay. hands off the steering wheel and, and give it a nice nice uh, clap. Um, yep. Uh, and maybe also go donate some money to the NAACP. Sure. Just while you're clapping, like sort of <laughs> clap in that direction. Um, Make up for this this song. All right. Thank you for talking about this song. Um, now, there's a little twist. There's a twist to the episode, because if you're looking on your little timeline, you may notice that there's more time left in the episode, but oh, but there's but the song discussion is over, and that's because the next thing will be a new segment that we'll be including <gasps> on some of these episodes of Dumbo, and that is called Disney Idol. So everyone stay tuned and listen to that. Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Hey everyone, and welcome to our first segment of Disney Idol. Disney Idol is going to be a new segment that we're going to be doing throughout Dumbo and then moving forward into our other movies along with the songs. Um, We're not going to stop talking about each song by song, obviously. That's our podcast. But in addition to that, I thought it would be cool to not only discuss which is the best Disney song, but which is the best Disney singer and best Disney performer um like the show american idol where the purpose is to find the the best pop singer idol person to become a future pop sensation i think that we have a lot of examples here in all of our disney songs of a wide variety of performers and i think that we have a unique opportunity when we go going through the disney animated canon to really analyze which one is the premier performer? Which is the, which is the best singer? Is it going to be, um, I don't know, who's a person that sings something? Merlin? Maybe Merlin will be the greatest Disney performer of all time. I don't know. Um, maybe it will be the hen in Robin Hood. These are all great examples of, of great Disney performers. But for now, we're just going to stick with Snow White and Pinocchio because those are the movies we've done so far. And to join me on this first episode, we have a new guest, and her name is... Mel B. So, Mel B., welcome to the podcast. Hey, happy to be here. Um, now, Mel B., you are you the same Mel B. that is a host on, or a judge on X Factor? Because that's, that's who I think I'm getting. Or is she, is she on America's Got Talent? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not Melanie Brown. Oh, okay. Sorry nice. to disappoint. Well, uh, but that, that is disappointing. But regardless, thank you for joining <laughs> us. Um, I hope you've you've done the research because I'm pretty sure I sent the links to all of these songs to uh, to Melanie Brown from the Spice Girls account. So I, I hope that you've also read. It's read. okay. Yeah, we're mixed up a lot, but you know I love all of these songs, so I'm prepared no matter what. Okay, that's great. Okay, well you are maybe you're not the real Melby, but there has to be some reason you're here. Like like what what makes you a, a person that is worthy to judge these supreme <laughs> Disney talents? Well, I, I'm i a Hollywood elite, you see. Oh. Um, yes, I actually work for some talent managers, so I do judge talent on a daily basis. Oh, wow. Uh, whether or not I'm, you know, judging their skills as actors or just judging them as people, mm. I do judging every day, so. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to rely on your 
expertise heavily. In fact, the way this is going to break down is we were going to be judging them on three criteria. They are vocal talent, so we're going to be judging you know if these guys are good singers or not. Uh, just purely, not if they are not just if they're going to be a good singer of this song, but since we want these people to be Disney idols, they're going to have to sing Superstars. every song. What? They're going to be superstars. Oh, yeah. They're going to be superstars. They're going to we'll sing... We're more through with them. Oh, yeah. They're going to sing every song. So, you know, <laughs> if the if the prince does go on to win this competition, he's going to have to be ready to sing, um, you know, Part of Your World. He's going to have to sing sing all everything. So we, <laughs> we need that vocal talent. Um, second, we're judging on performance. We want to make sure that they're, they can perform under the, the brightest lights, that they can bring <laughs> some emotion. And then third, we're going to look for star potential because, you know, these guys are going to be... They're, they're going to have to be marketable. Um, let's put it that way. I'm going to be the judge focusing on vocal talent because, obviously, I, I have a Disney music podcast. I must know about vocal talent. Um, True. And then Mel B is going to focus on the performance and star potential. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pick my favorite of the contestants in this group in terms of vocal talent, and Mel B is going to pick her favorite in terms of performance and star potential, and each of our favorites will advance to the next round, the semifinals of Disney Idol. Um and then, you know, if there's a third person that we think might also be worthy for whatever reason, we have our producer saves, which if you've watched any talent competition type show, are basically their way of making sure the good people don't go home too soon. <laughs> um, we will have those in our back pocket if for some reason someone important like, say, again, Merlin uh, gets sent home too early, we can come in and say, no, no, Merlin, you need to stick around and sing whatever it is you sing. Um, so, that being said, let's get it going. So we've divided the characters into three groups. We've grouped them by gender, so there's a group of men, there's a group of women characters, and then we have a wild card, which is where we have our animals and any extra characters that don't fit in a group. Um, but today we're going to specifically start with our group of men, because of course, um, men are what start things, uh, because... This is America, specifically 1930s and 1940 America. You bet. Um, well, so our list of male singers and performers in Pinocchio and Snow White, it's it's a pretty good list we have here. We have the prince, um, of course, <laughs> the the prince who's, who steals Snow White's heart. We have Doc, the king of the dwarfs, or, or whatever, um... And then we have Pinocchio and Geppetto. So these are four big male characters, all human-ish, um, mm -hmm. and they're ready to battle it out. And only two of them will make it on to the finals. Ooh, or the stakes the, are high. The semifinals of Disney Idol. So the yes, we got to figure out our who's, our who's jobs are important. Yes, um, if we don't make the right call here, the rest of the world. Or, if we don't make the right calls here, the entire <laughs> Disney Idol tournament will be in shambles because, you know... If, okay. if we Not the world, just no. Disney Idol. Yeah, if we send through Geppetto on accident, um, that's really going to screw everything up because he sucks. So, um, okay. But before we judge too much, let's, let's get into the song. So our first performer is going to be the Prince, the Snow Prince, and he will be singing one song. All right, so the prince. Uh, let's start with with his with his vocal talent. Um, I think that he he's got some good vibrato. That's that's a good. Oh, feature. definitely. Yeah. I think probably of all of this. I mean, we haven't heard them yet, but he's definitely the most classically trained of all of the singers. Yeah. And I think that you know he could be successful. His performance, on the other hand, I have some slight critiques about. Oh yeah. So what um, what, what do you have to say about that? So uh, while we were listening, I was taking some notes and crunched mm. some numbers. And the song in total is a minute and 22 seconds long. Um, he only sings for 25 seconds. Or he's only shown for 25 seconds, I oh. meant to say. So he's camera shy. Yeah, or my idea is made, because they're showing reaction shots of, like, Snow White and the Queen. And I'm just thinking maybe he's a really bad actor or awkward mm. or something. So they just, you know, they filmed him but thought, 
that like no one wants to watch that so they just showed pretty snow white instead so that's you know a little troubling because mm-hmm. to be you know disney idol you mm-hmm. got to be the full package not just a beautiful singer so right. yeah maybe he qualifies for uh disney guy who can dub in for you yeah. know, a real star you know someone like doc <laughs> with that stage presence um yeah, maybe exactly. yeah. you could like fuse them they'd yeah. be a super yeah. star um yeah. and then <laughs> Yeah, so so we do have some doubts on his star potential, but before we we give him final ratings or anything, um, let's listen to our next contestant, and that is Doc. And he's going to be singing a segment of his acclaimed song, The Washing Song, Bloodle Uddle Um Dum. <laughs> Step up to the tub. Hey, no disgrace. Just pull up your sleeves and get them in place. Then scoop up the water and rub it on your face and go... <laughs> Pick up the soap. Now don't try to bluff. Work up a leather. And when you've got enough, get your hands full of water. You snort and you snuff and go. You know what? Listening to that, uh, I mean, it was really talk singing. It mm-hmm. almost reminded me of like an elementary school music teacher leading yeah. his troops mm-hmm. and yeah. sort of yeah, guiding them along. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I, the what I writ, wrote down is that he he's kind of like he has a little bit of a proto-rap style, but it's like a children's <laughs> rapper. You know, he's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, children, I think, is key. Like, yeah. that's who he's pandering to. Yeah, it, it's like a... a te- I mean, it's obviously he's teaching them how to how to wash. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he has that kind of maybe sing-songy talking style, yeah. which isn't, you know, I don't know how well that's going to be, um, you know, if we're asking our Disney idols to, to sing, you know, um, I don't know, what's, what's a song that a Disney idol might want to sing? Uh... Part of your world. What, what's that? what, that's what I already said. Um, no, oh, what, you did? Yeah. yeah, I don't know if his style is going to work on, like, let's say, Let It Go, but, you know, it, it works here. It definitely works definitely. here. Um, now, Doc, he, um, when it gets to performance, though, I think that he he has a step up from what you oh, said definitely. about the prince. Yeah. Um, specifically, I noted that when he is explaining that it taint no disgrace. He kind of does this little <laughs> thing where he shakes his jowls in his hands. He's like, whoa, it taint no disgrace. And we didn't yeah. see that level of emotion from the prince. So I, I Definitely I, not. The prince also, they never had a close-up of his face. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of critiques about the prince's performance, yeah. as you can tell. Yeah. Um, also, I was wondering our criteria for this. Are we expecting them to be Disney idols in present day, like 2018? Because I feel like Doc might do well in maybe 1930s, like mm. American pop culture. I don't know about today as much. Well, I think that, I feel like the sing-songy vaudeville that makes more sense back then. Well, I think that it, it should be it should be a timeless idol. So I think a that timeless. okay. Well, I mean, I mean, I think that just like how in American Idol you have different styles. You know, there might be someone who yeah. sings country. Um, or they could be someone who's like doing something really contemporary and, and cool. That's true. Um, uh, or, uh, I think it could be the same thing here. You know, there could be people of different genres. We have the classical singer and we have to weigh, you know, that he was maybe more popular back then versus now. But I, I do think that, um, we can't, our Disney idol needs to be versatile. We don't want someone okay. who, who is only going to succeed in the thirties. Um, but succeeding in the thirties could be some, a leg up that, that maybe, uh, maybe a more modern person wouldn't have. So. It's okay. all, it's all so about strengths saying, and weaknesses. So you're saying we can't dock him for not having modern sensibilities? Oh, that's a good yeah. one. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we can maybe dock him a little bit, but I think that it, you have to also reward him for having his the strengths yeah, that he does definitely. have. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, that's Doc. And now, as we move into the movie of Pinocchio, the first performer will be the creator of Pinocchio, Geppetto, singing Little Wooden Head. Little Wooden Head, go play your part. Bring a little joy to every heart. Little do you know, and yet it's true, that I'm mighty proud of you. Little wooden feet and best of all. Little wooden seat in case you fall. Oh, how graceful, my little wooden head. All right, no. If you listen to our episode on Little Woodenhead, you know that I'm not the biggest fan of Mr. Geppetto's voice. Uh, he's uh, it was this weird thing where we there was like a German guy performing it or a guy with a pretend German accent. It was weird. <laughs> but but what do you think about about his vocal talents? Do you think that he's uh, uh, I mean I mean he's at least hitting the right notes. Yeah, he's, he's so not pitchy. I, 
my take on this is that it's a little it's almost hard to judge compared to the other performers because he isn't performing. Mm. Like this is more like he's, you know, singing in the shower when you're singing in the shower, you don't care about, you know, Mm. if like what your vocal quality is, or you might be sort of weird. Like he's obviously not expecting the world to be watching him dancing with his little Mm. puppet. Mm. So I I mean, that's true, but, but he knows that Figaro is watching and, and and let's be, let's be honest. Figaro is a pretty uh, tough judge. Tough critic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I think that, but that... like, I mean, it's hard to tell. Like, if we told Geppetto that he was going to be in a singing competition, maybe he <laughs> would try harder. Maybe you know, he also strikes me as someone who might have stage fright mm-hmm. and might you know crack under the pressure. But he hit the notes; just the performance wasn't there. And also, he also was only shown his face for the first four seconds. Yeah, I noticed that there's a lot of. I mean, the focus is again on Pinocchio, so yes. um, not on Geppetto himself. So. Alas, but I, yeah, I, I, maybe maybe Geppetto does have some something we can mold. I don't know. Um, maybe but when we when we get him with our you know elite group of musical training staff people, they they'll 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 get him on maybe, the right path. Maybe Honest John can craft him into a real actor. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Honest John is also in the competition, so that yeah, might be a conflict of interest. he's not a man, though. You, you've listed him in a different category. No, he's, he's an animal, so he goes in the wild card round. Um, okay. The wild card round... Well, Pinocchio's a puppet. But he's a man. He, he, well, spoiler, sorry. <laughs> the movie, <laughs> he becomes a boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the wild card round uh, will be a mix of animals and anyone that I didn't think fit in this category. So, uh... <laughs> The last performer is, of course, as we said, Pinocchio singing a clip from I've Got No Strings. admire his spirit like he falls on his face several times mm. and it doesn't keep him down so i think that's definitely a quality you want to mm. see in a performer I, I, that's true you know he has that no quit attitude but yeah. we also don't want our disney idol like going out to perform and then just totally <laughs> you know the, the crapping it up and then also- having to redeem himself you know it's better to never need to redeem yourself in the first place True, but this is also his first time performing. Like, this is the first time he's kind of a real boy without strings. So, like, mm. if you were suddenly let into the world and didn't know how to walk before, mm. you know, five <laughs> hours ago, <laughs> I think he did a pretty admirable job for that. Like, I was impressed watching this. All right, that, that's fair. I mean, he does ultimately get his dance moves down. I think we do see this divide <laughs> where we have the Doc and the Prince, who maybe are experienced performers, and then we have these guys, we're, we're judging them based on potential, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'll, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, the Prince clearly practiced, because it was a serenade. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And clearly Doc, you know, probably wanted to impress his friends, whereas yeah. these, the Pinocchio men, you know, they're more up-and-comers. Well, I do think Pinocchio practiced, because I'm sure that back in, in you know, the, the back area, Stromboli was like... You know, teaching him the song and, and like whipping him yeah. when he messed up. <laughs> yeah, but, um, well, I don't know if he started whipping him yet, but maybe, <laughs> maybe it was maybe Pinocchio at this point interpreted the whipping as like a friendly gesture. He was like, "Yeah, it's like oh, it's oh. another string." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that Pinocchio also he his his vocal tone is going to be a little harsher because he has that young boy voice, yeah. kind of like what we might see with, from Snow White. Um, yeah, the brash. But he's hits, yeah. he hits his notes. He it's not too yeah. pitchy. Um, pitchy. That's a real Randy Jackson yeah. uh, homage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, I think that Pinocchio, since he's still young and hits all the notes, I think once his voice matures, he'll mm. be you know he could be on the level of the prince with proper ah, training. I see. You know, and and a lot you know a lot of you know famous singers start out kind of young, so mm. we could mold him into a superstar. What, what's the name of that guy who is like? Danny something wasn't that his name like he was a, l- a little boy on American Idol and he Archuleta yeah David Archuleta yeah yeah he's a regular David Archuleta um, yeah <laughs> um, all right so let's get to ranking these people and and figuring out who's going to move on to our semifinals okay I will begin 
<laughs> um, so I'm going to start and do the countdown of the men's vocal talent, uh, the male vocalists. And in fourth place, unfortunately, is going to be Geppetto. Um, womp womp. A little predictable, but uh, <laughs> for the reasons we stated, he, he ain't too good. In third place, I'm going to put Pinocchio. I know that you are a fan of him and you think he has that potential, but yep. I think right now uh, he doesn't have quite the... Uh, he, has, he has neither the, the vibrato or the mature voice that we're looking for in a Disney Idol, nor does he have the confidence in a, in a voice or the strength in a voice, or even a, a unique voice, in my opinion. So, okay, I appreciate um, that. I, I, I'm, and I'm hating on Pinocchio a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I, I've got to keep it straight. Uh, got to keep it, keep it real, dog. And then, yeah. um, in second place, so n- unfortunately not making it to the next round, is Doc. I, I do appreciate what Doc brings to the table with his children's rapper, sing-songy, hip-hop-hairy vibe he has going on. <laughs> um, but... Unfortunately, it's just not going to be enough. Maybe if Doc uh, showed a little bit on on the singing side, you know, uh, he gives us the, the talk singing. If he was able to show that he could carry a tune at least a little bit, you know, a la uh, Drake or a Kanye using some <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, the vocal device, maybe I could, I could let him go, but he really doesn't bring any of that. So, unfortunately, you have to leave him behind. And then the Prince, of course, in first place... He will be moving on to the semifinals with that mature vibrato voice that will make the ladies swoon. Okay. So, Mel B, it is now your turn. How do you judge the performances? The performances? Yes. Okay. So, uh, for me, my last place is Geppetto for the reasons that Mm -hmm. we have already stated. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just not really performing for anyone. (laughs) He seems sort of awkward. So, last place. Um, and then in number three, I have the prince. Uh, he has a nice voice, which you obviously, you know, stated, and he's mm-hmm. already gone on. But I just feel like his performance was very bland, mm-hmm. and we didn't really get to see anything of him. So yeah. number three. So now then this I- is this is big here because we have two contestants left. Whoever you rank first will be moving That's on to the semifinals, point. and whoever you rank second will unfortunately not be. So who's what, what's it going to be? All, I have all the power. Um, so in second place, I have Doc. Uh, um, yeah, I think he's a good performer, but, you know, he's more of that talk singy. I, I just think that Pinocchio has the star potential. You know, he can mm-hmm. sing, he can dance, in my opinion. Um, he's a real go-getter. I think he has the potential to be a true Disney idol. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe he has that potential. He will have his chance to move on and prove the doubters like me wrong, that he could be the next Disney idol. I'm not buying it. You know, David Archuleta didn't win in the end, so. <laughs> so who's the David Cook to his David Archuleta? That's a good question. Maybe it'll be someone in one of our next segments of Disney Idol, which you can hear, I was going to say live, uh, not live, you can hear on one of the next few episodes of Wish Upon a Star. So keep on listening to Wish Upon a Star. Mel B will be back. We will talk Ooh. next time about the female characters that we've heard sing so far. And we'll see who makes it to the, makes it to the semifinals. So thank you for joining me. Uh, and me. And, yeah. And you. <laughs> and this has been Wish Upon a Star, Disney Idol. Bye. Bye.